welcome to Corpus Christi Anglican Church. I'm Morgan, our planting clergy. Our vision of this church is to become a common people in common prayer for uncommon transformation. This podcast is where you will hear our sermons and other teachings that have happened at Corpus Christi. We primarily serve the region of Springfield, Franconia, and Kingstown. We're glad that you're here. Thanks for taking time to listen. Here's the message. Let me pray for us as we begin this morning. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Holy Spirit, you delight to equip us with all of the gifts of service to extend the realm of God. Raise up among us and empower those among us whom you call to this new work of church planting, that the body of Christ may grow in strength and health for the transforming of this region through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Well, good morning again. It's great to be with you worshiping uh, the Lord together this morning. I'm Morgan, um, the, the planting clergy here at Corpus Christi Anglican Church. And um, my son is in the nursery this morning. Before he was born, uh, one of the things that we were doing in our old house that we used to live in was setting up his nursery uh, for the first time. And I, I know that some of you are in that stage of life even now. And one of the items that we knew that we were going to need to set up his nursery was a dresser. And so we ordered this dresser online. And about a week later, a week and a half later, three gigantic boxes showed up on our doorstep. They were heavy. They were like five feet tall. Um, They didn't look anything like a dresser. But in those boxes was everything necessary to build a dresser. So I hauled them, each one of them, up the stairs, uh, because of course the nursery is upstairs, and uh, to get those pieces ready. And so as I I opened these boxes, I would take out these boards, and the boards marked A, I would put over here, the boards marked B, over here, and on and on and on, until all of the pieces were kind of just scattered all over the room with the hardware, so that I could begin to sort through the mess. It took a lot of hours to construct this thing. I'm ashamed to say it probably took like a half of a day. Um, But I would, uh, you know, put dowels and screws into the holes of this board, not knowing how these different boards are going to fit together, how they were going to be attached to one another. I would just um, put everything together, trying to fit it into whatever this larger object was supposed to look like. And after hours of putting all the pieces together, I finally got to the point with this framework where it was ready to take on the gigantic slab that was going to go on top of the dresser. And once I did that and put that giant slab on top, it finally looked like a dresser. And then all we had to do was construct the drawers, which is not a small task. But once we put them in, you could see it was actually a really nice dresser. But it took a lot of time and it took a lot of effort to put all those things together, not knowing how this thing was going to look. But after it was done, you could stand back and say, here's how all the pieces fit together into a dresser. Today, in this passage that we have heard from the book of Hebrews, this is really a putting the pieces together kind of passage. We've been in a series in the book of Hebrews over the last several weeks. Um, And we're going to be in it, if you can believe it, for one more week. uh, Because then we're going to celebrate Christ the King Sunday. And then we're going to move into Advent together. So it's coming quick. Um, The author is building the case in the book of Hebrews 
for something. He's been putting a lot of pieces together. And essentially, what he's coming to in this putting the pieces together kind of passage is, come and worship. That is, that is what he's coming to. It is come and worship. There are going to be many who would be tempted to give up when things become difficult. And a lot of the letter is spent encouraging Christians to keep on living into what Christ has done for them. Some might be tempted to keep faith as a private matter, not meeting with the community of the faith in the church. And the author spends a lot of time placing the believer into the context of new covenant community. And as the writer to the Hebrews is making his argument, again, what he's getting at is that the Christian is called to come and worship. In other words, make church a priority for our spiritual growth. The church is a community that is rooted in the work of Christ. Uh, and then it lives out its life in faith and hope and love. Which he's going to talk about all three of those things. He's going to spend the rest of the book, chapters 11, 12, and 13, fleshing out faith, hope, and love in the community. In verses 19 through 22, which you heard this morning, the author puts together the things that Jesus has done for us. Each thing that he mentions has a longer exposition earlier in the letter. So it's a summary. First, Jesus, Jesus made a way for us to approach the heavenly sanctuary of God. That's what he's done for us. And we can come with confidence because Jesus took on humanity. He became incarnate. And he's redeemed, uh, he's redeemed humanity through his life of obedience, his death, his resurrection, and ascension. And then second, Jesus has become the great high priest over the house of God. That's what we looked at last week. Uh, and the church then is this new covenant community of faith that Jesus is the priest, the high priest over. And based on the Christian's new reality, he describes what should characterize the gathering of the faithful. The gathering of the faithful is to be characterized by faith in verse 22, by hope, which he mentions in verse 23, and by love, which he mentions in verses 24 and 25. And so what I want to do this morning is take the opportunity to look at each one of those characteristics of the community of faith together. In verse 22, he says, let us draw near with a true heart and in full assurance of faith. With our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, a reference to baptism. Faith isn't just trusting that God exists. It's also trusting that God rewards those who diligently seek him. And that's what the author is going to talk about in chapter 11. The Christian life is a life of faith and of prayer, a life of dependence on God. And so when he says to approach God with a true heart, and with full assurance of faith, it's this reminder that we come to God honestly. We come to God honestly. We can be scared that, you know, God might see us as we truly are. That can be a real fear. Uh, like we need to be put together in his presence. Um, but faith not only says to approach God honestly, but with the full assurance of faith. It's one thing. To convince ourselves that God exists. That's one thing. But it's quite another thing to trust that God actually rewards those who are diligently seeking him. And that's what these, uh, the audience needed to know. It's what you and I need to know. Seeking God isn't something that happens just in isolation. 
Right? This is something that happens in community. So investing our time in, in the life of faith and prayer is the foundation for building Christian community, a community that draws near to God. And one of the beautiful parts that I love about Anglican worship uh, is that we pray prayers together. And we pray prayers together that draw us all up together into that throne room of God's heavenly grace. We get a picture of what he's talking about each Sunday. Despite how we might um, feel as we enter into the morning of worship. And the way that we pray corporately then um, refashions us in the ways that we pray privately or as a household throughout the week. So we've looked at faith. How we're to be built up as a community of faith. And second, we want to look at hope. Hope in verse 23 says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. So hope has a way of reprioritizing the things that we fear. Hope has a way of reprioritizing the things that we fear. Followers of Jesus are called to be a hope-filled community that looks at the end of all things in order to interpret the order of things as they're happening right now. Hope reprioritizes fears, and it puts all fears in their proper place when we're a community that looks at the end from where we're at right now. The liturgy reorients our imagination to Jesus each week. It reorients our imagination to his kingdom and, uh, and then the people that God brings along our path, it reorients those relationships that we have. It teaches us to enter into God's presence with intention. It teaches us to listen for God's voice in the scriptures through the, the words that other people speak to us. It teaches us to confess our sins, uh, to receive God's grace and his absolution for our sins, to live a life of grace, and then to carry out God's love to others with joy. So what we do on Sunday is a training for what happens for the rest of the week. There's continuity. And when we're a part of the community of faith, we regularly hear the hope of the world to come. uh, As we taste it together in the Eucharist each week, we have a place to know God's love. And we have a place to be vulnerable. We have a place to be prayed for. A place to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us in community. So we've come to a place uh, where we want, we need to come to a place where we want that for our neighbors as well. And to want that for our neighbors, that has to be the desire of our own hearts for ourselves first. So we don't waver when things get challenging. We come and worship, as the writer of Hebrews exhorts us. We come and worship as a way to double down on the promises that God has made to his people. So let's consider then, after faith and hope, let's talk about love. How do we stir one another up, as the writer says? The the Christian community is to be a community that's characterized also by love. The author says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. We need Christ's body, the church. And not only do we need the church, we need the church in its local form. And hopefully that isn't news to you this morning. This is why you're here. Um, But it's always good to have that reminder. 
And when we started as a church plant, I want to you know, think way back. We actually began as a monthly small group on Zoom uh, on uh, Saturday mornings once a month. And that was fine. Everybody was quarantined back then. So it was nice to see anybody on Zoom once a month. But, you know, when we got to meet together in person, that was so much better, uh, even if it was outside for long games and prayer. And because you and I were embodied creatures. Uh, we live life in this body. What we do with our bodies matter. And, and that's why Jesus took on a body of flesh. He wasn't an apparition. He wasn't virtual reality. When we come to worship, there is something deeply formative about setting an alarm to get up at a certain time. There's something deeply formative about arranging the morning in order to be somewhere, getting our shoes on, getting in the car, uh, maybe changing a last minute diaper. There's something deeply formative about all these things. And then driving somewhere to be in the presence of other people, hearing others sing and pray around us. As we sing and pray, holding our hands out to receive the bread and the wine, bowing, exchanging the peace with one another. All of those things are bodily postures that form us and they create continuity uh, between our hearts and our minds and the things that we do with our bodies. Experiencing the love and the grace of God isn't a disincarnated experience. It's not a cognitive exercise. It is a whole body experience. And that whole body experience extends, obviously, beyond the Sunday liturgy. And one of the questions that I've been asking myself this week from this passage is how I'm using my time with all of you to stir up one another to love and good deeds. And so as you hear that, well, you go, OK, yeah, but Morgan, you preach a lot, right? So like maybe that's it. And it is true. I preach a lot of sermons, but um, you don't actually need to gather together to hear a sermon, right? You can actually listen to a sermon online. It's a very disincarnated experience. So it has to be something more than just hearing a sermon. And I do think that Sunday morning is the most formative time of the week as we consider the Lord's resurrection together and look for his hope and glory. But also the rest of the week matters, right? There isn't a disconnect between what happens here and the faithfulness of Jesus that we live into the rest of the week. And so, you know, if you come here regularly, you may not know this, but I have in my phone, I live by the calendar that's in this little device. And, and if you come here regularly, you are in my phone as somebody to pray for. Uh, I have a day set aside for you to pray for you and your household uh, one of the days of the week. It's a weekly reminder for me. Uh, and if you have kids, I pray for your children as well. For those of you who have children on the way, I also keep your children on the way in prayer. If I know their names, I pray for them by name. And I always appreciate it when you then share with me. The things that you need prayer for. And so it helps me to know how I can be praying for you. And even though I'm committed to that, you know, I'm only one of the priests here, right? I'm not the whole church. And so that has been raising this question for me to ponder, which is how do we as a community prioritize one another as the church? Specifically, if we're, you know, regularly attending. And one of the ways that I think that we can begin to do that is regularly praying for others in this church plant, making that a priority. That's a, that's a very good bare minimum. 
And people want to know God's love. And then they want to share God's love with other people. And they want to have a safe space to be vulnerable in community. And that kind of closeness that I'm describing is actually one of the reasons people join a small church plant. That is, a, that is a wonderful advantage to being a smaller community. And so, you know, this month, one of the things that we're going to be celebrating, the Lord being our helper, is being voted in as a mission of the diocese in, the, in this month. And so, and what that means is that we have been creating or have created uh, the discipleship structures that are necessary to become a healthy and independent church. And we're going to keep working towards that. And that really is a result of the prayerful work of all of you. We've been gathering weekly since June. And um, all of you have been part of this process of praying for the church. You've been faithfully coming and serving in several capacities on Sundays. And I don't know, uh, many of you have gotten texts from me at 8.30 in the morning on a Sunday to help fill in. And you've filled in. Uh, You've hosted gatherings, you've been leading formation groups, helping facilitate those, and importantly, you've been giving financially to the work that God has been doing in this community. And as we think about this new space and stewarding the use of it, we're moving into a new season as a mission. You can feel it. I can feel it. And so I'm beginning to ask questions, and I would invite you as well. How do we grow deeper in stirring one another to love and good deeds as a community. So I want to suggest one practical way to do this. There are a lot of ways you can. But one to take away, drive home, remember this, do it. Uh, Our calendars drive what we do and don't do during the week. Uh, If you're like me, your phone is always on you, reminding you of the things that you probably won't remember without it. And so on Sunday nights after my son goes to bed, I have a beverage and I pray over my calendar for the week. Uh, And I think, you know, is there anything that I need to change in my calendar? Is there anybody who I need to meet with that's not there? How is my calendar prioritizing what's important to me for the week? And as you have conversations with others in this community, maybe over coffee, how can you begin to make one another a priority during the week? Perhaps you put someone and their household in your phone to pray for, right, as you learn their names. And uh, on a specific day. So make it a weekly reminder. And if you guys exchange contact info with somebody else, think about regularly checking in. Shoot a text. How's this week going? I've been praying for you. And then maybe you need specific prayer for something during the week. Maybe you don't. But it gives the opportunity to pray for one another and for that person during the week. And then as you're praying for them, may that remind you that You know, perhaps there's a time to set aside to have them over uh, for dinner or to go to lunch together during the workday or to meet for coffee one day in the morning. In Advent, we're not going to be having a a normal weekly formation group like we've been having. This week is actually the last one for this season. And so as you look at your calendar during Advent, think of a time, a date, two, more, that you might meet up with somebody from the church Uh, Or your two households can get together and get to know one another more. Not neglecting the gathering is important, but notice how that's phrased, right? Do not neglect the gathering. I think we can go beyond just not neglecting gathering together. We have in this uh, church plant, we have a real opportunity to grow together in our formation as disciples of Jesus in community. 
And we experience God's love in community. And that's the kind of community that draws other people into a relationship of discipleship with Jesus. So our gathering together when we worship, it's for our formation as a community of faith and hope and love. We gather to discover the goodness of God as we worship, to find reorienting hope in his kingdom, and then to be encouraged and to be challenged in the love of God. So I want us to commit together today. Let's commit together to growing deeper and following Jesus and doing all that's necessary to build a healthy and welcoming, worshiping community in the next season as we enter life as a mission and as we move into Advent. Both for ourselves as disciples of Jesus and for the good of others around us. Let me pray for us. Oh God, the Holy Spirit, sanctifier of the faithful, would you sanctify Corpus Christi Anglican Church by your abiding presence? Bless those who minister in holy things. Enlighten the minds of your people more and more with the light of the everlasting gospel. Bring erring souls to the knowledge of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And those who are walking in the way of life, keep steadfast to the end. Give patience to the sick and the afflicted and renew them in body and soul. Guard those who are strong and prosperous from forgetting you. Increase in us your many gifts of grace and make us all faithful in good works. This we ask, O blessed Spirit, whom with the Father and the Son we worship and glorify. One God, world without end. Amen.